Father, again, I'm just a man. Lord, you've called me to stand up here and to speak your words. And I pray, Lord, that you would do that today. Bless this mouth, Lord, just as you touched Isaiah. Lord, touch me that only pure things come out, Lord, only things from God. And when it's not from you, let me preface that, that this is me speaking. But Lord, I ask right now, when this service ends today, Lord, help us to understand what our part is, how we can honor you with our life and with our families. And we commit this short message into your hands. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. All right. So, in the beginning, God. <laughs> in the beginning, God. How many are glad the G-O-D part's there? Right? I want to read from Genesis 1-1 to start with this morning. This is my first scripture. In the beginning, God created... Read it with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Who created it? God. We have got to get this thing right. This is the very first part of the book. If we blow this, we've lost the whole thing. In the beginning. Now when there's a beginning, what does that mean? Someday there's going to be a, an end. And just to share a little bit, Revelation 22.13 says what? I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. The what? The beginning and the end. Jesus was there in the beginning, right? We read this, we read this last week. How many remember the address of Jesus, the Word? John 1, right? Let's just read the first few verses. In the beginning, the Word already existed. Who's the Word? Jesus. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him and nothing was created except through Him. How important is Jesus to the Godhead? Very important. In the beginning, God. The next verse says this. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Do you have that picture in your mind? How cool is this? There was nothing there. And God spoke it into existence. How cool is that? Now, the New American Commentary, it paints this picture of this verse that I wanted to share with you. This divine superintendence may be likened to an eagle hovering over the earth. Now I've got a little picture that it doesn't do it justice, but can you get that picture of the Holy Spirit just hovering over those waters? Just like the eagle hovering over its chicks to protect its young. There are also similarities between verse 2 in Genesis and the Song of Moses in Deuteronomy 32, 11 through 14, where the Lord describes 
as a, himself as an eagle who was Israel's protector in the wastelands of the desert. Now let me ask you this. How many are in a wasteland today? You know what I'm saying? I, I don't mean you're out in the desert. I'm talking, spiritually speaking, you're in a place right now where, I think it was said in one of the words, that you're in a place where it just seems like everything is going wrong. You can't find your way out. What was that? The, a whirlwind around your feet. That's where you're at today. And what I'm trying to say, what this scripture is saying, the Holy Spirit was hovering over these waters. He was protecting what God was about to do. Here's the good news. He does that continuously today. Now some think that God just put things in place and then He let it go. Come on. Have you read your Bible? That's not what we read in the first two verses of this book. God didn't just go and then let it go. God was intentional when He created the earth and the stars. When He created animals and plants. When He created you and me, people, in His image. He was intentional. Say intentional. intentional. Nothing happened by chance. God, and I love this word, God superintended the earth. Meaning that He was responsible for it and He made sure that everything that needed to be there was there. That's the kind of God we serve. He still does that today. Read Matthew chapter 5. Read the very end of it. What does it say? It says that we shouldn't worry. Am I in the right chapter or is it 6? Six? 6. Chapter 6. The end of 6. It says... Don't worry about what, what you're going to eat today. Don't worry about your clothes that you're going to wear today because God has all this covered. If He takes care of the little sparrow, He's going to take care of you. If He clothes the flower as He does, and how many have enjoyed the beautiful flowers this, this summer, right? Who designed those? It's a reminder of how awesome He is. And so are our children. As I look at little Corbin sitting back there, I think he's back there. Where'd he go? Oh, Mima's got him. As I look at little babies, I'm just amazed at how God did that. How much they look like each parent. And then they take on their personalities, and you always hope for the best. <laughs> you know. But God's creation is in everything. If it has life, it's God. Say that with me. If it has life, it's God. Hallelujah. Now, modern thinkers suggest an other than God scenario, right? Man has suggested that everything happened by chance. The theory contends that there was a, a big bang of sorts where the right ingredients mixed together with a powerful explosion of energy. And the result was, well, us. Look at your neighbor and say, wow, that's amazing. And ridiculous. There is no way that this 
Just look at your fingernail. Are you kidding me? Evolution just went, oh, hey, let's put five appendages on each arm. Oh, we have arms? Oh! And, and, and then let's put a fingernail at the end of it, each finger. Just right. It's going to fit just perfect. Right. All by accident, just by chance. Yeah, that sounds logical. It does take a lot of faith. Who made the initial ingredients? That's my first question. And then who put it all together? Come on. Come on. Science has been given a don't ask, don't tell pass. If you are in the, the collegiate system, if you're trying to get your master's, your doctorate, and you can test any of these sciences that oppose God, they'll shipwreck you. They'll try to ensure that you don't get your degree. They don't want to hear that kind of nonsense. Is it really nonsense? I believe that it's pretty obvious there was a creator, and his name is Yahweh. His name is Jehovah. Hallelujah! He did this. I challenge these theories of how they propose human life and, and all life, really, as it began. Genesis 1 tells us that the Lord created not some big bang. And I know they're trying to change it. They, they, they change the rules as they go along. And listen, if you're a scientist, I'm sorry. I don't mean I'm sorry you're a scientist. I'm saying I'm sorry that this sounds so harsh. Because I don't want anybody to walk out of here going, man, he doesn't like me. I do like you. I love you as a human being. But you got this wrong. God created the heavens and the earth. The deeper, listen to this, the deeper we look at anything, the more complex it gets. If evolution were true, there would have to be, as you get deeper and deeper and deeper, there would have to be less order. But we don't see that. The deeper you go, because God is awesome, the deeper you go, you start looking at those DNA strings. Man, have you ever seen pictures of those? They don't really look like that, but they're awesome looking in, in color. God did that. They all put together, create you and me and our little babies, our grandsons, our granddaughters. That's what it means to have a God who creates. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't by chance. If it were, we would see signs of inferiority the deeper we go. But that is not the case. What about the missing link? <laughs> I laugh and I cry at how hard anthropologists work to find that missing link. 
Let me ask you this. If this really happened, and if we came from monkeys or whatever derivative you want to call it, at whatever point in history, wouldn't we see a whole lot more evidence like we find dinosaurs and things like that? Wouldn't we find a bunch of people or apes that are kind of in between ape and man? Wouldn't we? But we find no link. And the ones that they do claim to be links, like Lucy, anybody here Lucy? What did they find about Lucy? Lucy was a lie. Lucy had pig bones in her. It was fraud to prove a theory that isn't true. I don't mean this to be an evolution message today. But I believe God, God created it. He created man. We didn't start as apes, we started as people. Now the first man and woman may not have had a navel, I don't know. Because they wouldn't have needed one. But everything else, they would have had all the parts. Hallelujah. Here's the sad part. Science yet today includes Lucy in our children's textbooks. Why? Because you and I just sit back and take it. Because we allow the educational system to peddle this nonsense. And our kids grow up confused because in school they learn there is no God and then they come to church and we're saying there is. Who's right? What do you believe? The science book or the Bible? That's easy for you to say. I only bring this point up to say what truth are you going to believe? You have a choice. What is truth? What is it? One of the things we've learned in the last several years is that when the media gets on something, they all say the same thing. Which tells me this. They're being fed what to say. And hear this part. It isn't always truth. In fact, very often it is not truth. It is what they want you to hear. Now I'm probably going to get letters for this message. I told my wife, I said, be praying. I don't care. I just came off a two-month sabbatical. I'm refreshed. And when I put my heart into this this week, I was going somewhere else. I have a great message. I hope I get to preach it down the road. And yesterday I sat down and I just said, Lord, what do you want to say? And when this hit me, I was like, no. My other one's uplifting. This one is tough. 
And he said, listen, Norm, the people need to hear this. And the result, and the, and the response, I'm sorry, at the end of this message is so important. And we'll get there in just a minute. But listen, there's only one truth sayer, and that is God. That is the Word of God. It is the only thing you can believe today. All right? The truth. The earth is going to either burn up, or it's going to flood because of tailpipe emissions. <laughs> I, we laugh, okay? But it's not a laughing matter because... Listen, this thing... And, and I'm not opposed to electric cars. I think they're awesome, except... And they probably already have this, where you need to put an engine noise in it so you can hear it coming. You know, maybe, maybe like one of those uh, Kudas or something... That, and, and then it pulls up next to you and it's a little Prius or whatever it is. Common sense tells us we aren't ready for this. And if we keep pushing it, here's what's going to happen. We're not going to have any cars. We're not going to have heat for our homes because we're all relying on the electric grid. How stable is that? Right after, and I'm not picking on them, but I am, right after California decided by 2035 they're not going to have any more gas cars in their state, that weekend they told everybody they had to cut back on their electric use because there wasn't enough power. Come on. I mean, I'm all in if, if this thing is set up and it's, and it's established and we got good plans. But just to jump into this because somebody said it's the right thing to do, I'm a miss. Right? I'm a miss. I, I just don't understand. That's me. That's my, by the way, that was me. That wasn't God. <laughs> I told you when I started I'd point that out. Yes, he did. I do strongly agree with this theory. If God is in control, and I believe he is, he created the heavens and the earth. As the Bible claims, and I believe he did, there was a beginning signifying that one day, wait a minute, I'm going to put them all up there because I skipped one. There we go. Just as there is a beginning, there will be an end. How many can believe this? Now I want to point some things out as I move along. First of all, say this with me, the end will come. There is an end to all of this. But it's not the end that many are proclaiming right now. The end is going to come when the Lord says, enough, it's time to bring my kids home. And I believe it could happen anytime. I'm not naming a date, I'm just saying. Things are lined up, it could happen anytime. You could hear those trumpets blow, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and then all those who 
are still alive will be taken up to meet the Lord in the clouds. Where we will be with him forever. Hallelujah. Now, you can choose to ignore the evidence of God, as so many do, especially the words written in the Bible. You can live in fear, and you can try to fix the world. How have we been doing with that, by the way? So you believe science, or you believe God. Where do you put your trust? I choose the one on the right. You're right. I trust God. I don't have a problem protect, believing that He is our protector. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's read verse 2 again. Genesis 1-2. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. The Spirit of God hovered over the earth. There's that picture again. Just get this picture in your heart. Now I wanted to share a little more from the New American Commentary. By the secret efficacy of the Spirit, and that word efficacy means the ability to provide the desired result, the divine presence assures the abiding existence of the earth. Despite its impotent position, the earth isn't alive. It only produces because God made it so. Despite its impotent position and static condition, he made it ready for the movement of God who would make it fertile, blooming with beauty and life. That's what our God did. That's what he continues to do, usually. My point is that if the Holy Spirit began the work, then God ensures that everything grows. That continues to this day. How many can say amen? amen? Now, let me emphasize that whatever God said would happen, will happen. Isaiah 46.10 says this, Only I, God, can tell you the future before it happens. Everything I plan will come to pass. For whatever I wish, whatever I, whatever I do, I... I, for I do whatever I wish. Oh, you got to help me here. You're supposed to read that part. I don't have my screen back there. You're my screen. All right. Sorry about that. Sheesh. My point again is that if the Holy Spirit began the work, then God ensured that everything would grow, and that continues today. God is the only one. He, God is not a fortune teller. He knows. He doesn't guess. And he doesn't profit from telling us. He created everything and he knows the beginning and the end. Just how it's going to go and everything in between. That's the kind of God we serve. Whatever God said would happen will happen. Really? I said that again. Whatever God said will happen. Thank you. That way I know what's up there. If you don't, you got to work with me. It's not my fault the back screen broke. 
Last week we read this passage in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20 through 22, and this talks about the promise. I love this. For all of, say it with me, for all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes, and through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. He has commissioned us and He has identified us as His own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything He has promised us. Wow, Woo! How many have the Holy Spirit living in you? That's your guarantee that everything God said will come to pass. Every promise is yours. It's yes and amen through Christ. It doesn't get any better than this. The Holy Spirit guarantees. Just as God promised. There is no place in Scripture, at least as I've studied it out, there's no place in Scripture that would suggest a cataclysmic event like global warming or severe flooding is going to destroy man. To the contrary, after Noah, remember Noah? Genesis chapter 7, you can go back there and read it at your leisure. God said there would never be another full earth flood again. Now that doesn't mean there can't be local flooding, we've seen that. We watched the Mississippi rise. But not all of human beings were killed. One time. And God said, I won't do that again. In fact, He promised us that this little thing would be a reminder to Him. Every time He saw it in in the sky, it would be a reminder that He will never Destroy man again through a flood. How many can say yay? I'm glad. In the end, the Lord will create a new heaven and a new earth. The Bible says that. Revelation 21.1 Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. This is going to happen. But it's not going to result in all of man being killed off. We're already in heaven with God. All right? Then Hebrews 12, 26 through 27, it adds to this. It says, when God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Here we go. Can we believe this? Can we trust it? All God's promises are what? Yes. Yes and amen. Okay, let's read this. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. And it goes on to say what this means. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. What in the world is that all about? We are going to be given glorified bodies. These decaying animals that were in, these skins, earth suits, will no longer be will be in eternal bodies 
where we'll live with God forever and ever and ever. That's what it means. All of these things that decay, shaken. Only pure things, only holy things, only people who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and they honor Him with their life will be with the Lord forever. There will be a shaking. Now, God is going to set His kingdom up for 1,000 years after He comes back and retrieves the church. All right? After the, I believe, after the uh, tribulation, which is a seven-year period that nobody wants to live on this planet. That's when all hell will break loose. And if you're here and you haven't already accepted Jesus as Lord, it's going to be a struggle, according to Scripture. It's going to be difficult to live through that time period. But if you make it, you'll be with the Lord. Revelation 20, 1 through 3 tells us about this period of time where there will be peace and prosperity. I've got a couple other scriptures from Isaiah there that you can look up. Has Jesus done this yet? Has he come back? Has he established his thousand-year reign of peace? Has he brought prosperity to the land for a thousand years? It hasn't happened yet. So, will this planet die as a result of our tailpipe emissions? It can't, because this has to happen. All of God's promises are yes and amen in Christ, through Christ. Hallelujah. The earth cannot perish, nor the people, until all of this takes place. Now, at the end of the thousand years, there's going to be a judgment. I don't have this in my notes, but I know this for a fact. I've read the Bible enough to know this. Anybody that has not said yes to Jesus, they will suffer the ultimate. I don't even know what to call it. Hell was never intended for men. God made it for Satan and his followers, the angels who fell. But unless you're pure and holy, unless you're covered in the blood of Jesus, you cannot be in God's presence. And he has nowhere else to put you but hell. Separated from God for eternity. Doesn't that sound like fun? It won't be. Here's the thing. As I put this message together, I was reminded of this. Whenever people have it made, whenever life is easy, what happens? Thank you. We forget God. We forget that we need a, a Savior. We need a Creator to keep creating. We need His provision. We need the Holy Spirit to hover over us, to watch over us like that mother eagle. We need Him. But when we turn our back on God, 
When we shun Him, because we got it all together now. We know what's next. We know how to live this life. We know how to... What? What do we know how to... We know how to make a mess. That's what we know how to do. Hallelujah. Sadly, when everything goes well, people tend to turn their backs on God. And whenever this happens, not out of hate, not out of spite, God allows things to happen. Cataclysmic things sometimes. Examples? Forest fires. Millions and millions of acres burned. People's homes go up in smoke. Nothing they can do about it. It's too big for them to stop. And they just sit back. And they, they try to protect things, but sadly, it doesn't work well. They have to let them burn up, and they just hope for the best. What is this? As I see it, it's God just stepping back, as he does so well, and he throws out a little bit later, you miss me yet? Do you miss me yet? Are you ready for me to come back into your life? Are you ready for me to do what I do so well? I started this planet. I know what to do. Look at the drought that's overtaken the West. And I, I just put this picture up. This is the tail end of the Colorado. It feeds into Lake Mead. In 20 years, look at the difference from a satellite photos. Look at how far down. It's almost 200 feet below where it was 20 years ago. This is what feeds our farmland in the West, where we get many of our vegetables and fruits. We need this. <laughs> Hello? If something doesn't change soon, there's going to be serious consequences for humanity as the farmers in the West have to have that water to grow their crops. What does man do? Blames other men. Well, it's your fault. You drive that big old Silverado out there. <laughs> they blame people. Their solutions stop burning things. They also recommend zero population. Have you heard that one? Yeah. Stop having children. Does this line up with Scripture? Thank you. I've got a couple of those Scriptures. Genesis 1, 28, Then God blessed them and said, what? Be fruitful and multiply. Good, you're finding out. I know it's back there. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. It is our job to take care of this planet. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We, we cannot abuse this planet. We need to be good stewards. I agree with that part. But I don't believe that we're going to get rid of fossil fuel anytime soon. Not and continue to live or survive like we have. After the flood... Genesis 9, God told Noah and his family, be fruitful and multiply, repopulate the earth. Multiply. That's what our responsibility is. That's your duty and mine. 
We're supposed to have kids. And a bunch of them. You think seven or eight billion people, that surprised God? Oh, that's too many. We won't have enough room in heaven. Remember what I started with? We put God in this little teeny box. Trust me, heaven's going to be big enough for every soul that says yes to Jesus. God's going to have room. Hallelujah. Who do we listen to? Man or God? This is real. And, and I, I put this up. Oops. There we go. Shun God. God is going to pull things back. The blessing's going to disappear. Global warming, global cooling, global flooding, food shortages, supply shortages. What am I saying? I'm saying that unless, until humanity, I use the word, sucks it up. Meaning that we set our pride aside and admit that we have been wrong, sinful, arrogant, God-denying human beings. Until that happens, then this nation, this world is going to continue to suffer. Until God is restored to that in God we trust. And I'm not a believer in the monetary thing. I'm just using that because it used to be on our currency. It's slowly disappearing. Give it a few more years. It'll be gone if the right people are in. Anyway, we'll stop there. <laughs> we have to get back to the Bible. We have to. There's not a, a question of should we, we must. You must begin to lead your families with what is said in your Scripture. What do recent laws promote? The removal of the good book. They make laws that bar you from saying certain parts. They say we have our heads in the clouds that we're a threat to modern... Christians are a threat to modern civilization. Isn't that wonderful? But we are not, in fact, a threat. We are the only ones who have the real answer to the problems of this planet. Now, the Israelite leader who followed Moses, anybody know who he was? Joshua. Remember that name? Joshua. One of the two men that went in and looked at the promised land. One of the two men that saw promise and future by faith rather than, they're going to crush us. They're going to step on us like grasshoppers. Joshua was the other guy. We got this. If God is for us, who can be against us? He's having a little talk with his people. And he said this in Joshua 24, 19 and 20. Joshua warned the people. Say warned. You are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy and jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. 
If you abandon the Lord and serve other gods, he will turn against you and destroy you, even though he has been so good to you. Why am I bringing this up? Because I believe the church is in this very same place today. That we have fallen into this, this trap of believing that we can do whatever we feel like doing. God will forgive us. We're saved by grace after all. And I believe we are. You can't produce it. You can't win your way to heaven. But you also can't live like a sinner while you live on this planet and expect that you're going to go to heaven. God expects certain things from His people. And Joshua is calling them out and saying, look, you've been worshiping these other gods. You've been worshiping these idols. You've been putting your allegiance somewhere else. And God's saying, nah, -uh, I'm a jealous God and I don't put up with this stuff. What are you going to do with this? If the Lord is jealous for His people, what are we going to do? If we ignore the mandates of Scripture and we live a life separated from God, what are we going to do? There's only one thing that's going to happen is the Lord is going to turn His back on us. And I believe in my heart that this is what's happening. Look around. The church is saying, oh, well, yeah, maybe that is okay. It's, it's in Scripture, it doesn't condone that kind of living. But hey, you know, they're just people. We have got to represent the truth. We have to. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but through me. You must be born again. You must change Turn 180 degrees away from a sinful life and toward a life of holiness and purity. Does that mean you don't make mistakes? No. We do. We all sin. But it can't be your lifestyle. That's what I'm saying. It can't be a habitual sin over and over and over and over and over and over. If that's you, you've got to deal with that. That's what Joshua was saying to these people. He was saying, listen, unless you turn back to God, unless you make Him number one in your life, you're not going to receive the blessing. You're not going to receive God's provision. The Holy Spirit isn't going to hover over you and keep you safe if you're living like you're going to hell. Yikes. Is there any hope? <laughs> We are the hope. Yes, there is hope. What can we do? We can do this very same thing that the Israelites did. We can repent and we can turn back to God. We can do what the people did in Joshua 24, 21. And it says this, But the people answered Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. We're not going to serve those other gods anymore. We are going to... That's the wrong one. Sorry. Oh, I didn't have that slide, sorry. Then I was going to read this one. I have right in here, no slide. I still missed it. 
I did want to say this, though. Let me read that again because it's not up there. The people answered Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. After he calls them out, this is what they say to him. Now listen to me. This isn't just lip service. Joshua, he's expecting a change in these people. And God's saying to us, modern day church, he's saying, listen, you say you're going to serve me. But are you? Or are you going to walk out of this building again today for the umpteenth time and just go back to whatever it was you did last week and the week before and the week before? You know these things are sinful, and yet you keep doing them. And I'm like, whoa. You're right, Lord. Now this one. All right then, Joshua said. After the people said, no, we will serve the Lord. He said, destroy the idols among you. Turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve our Lord, the Lord our God. We will obey him alone. That was their final response. Destroy the idols. Turn your hearts to God. Would you stand with me? When you came in, you should have been given one of these, hopefully, little yellow. And some of you, I don't know if you ended up, did you end up giving out the, the double-sided? Okay, good. So, what I am asking of you today as we close this service, I don't even know what time it is. Whew, got three minutes. <laughs> my pledge to God, but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Now, that's, that's the last. That's Joshua 24, 15. I want you to prayerfully, don't do this if, if you're like, you know what, this is hogwash. Don't do it. If you don't believe what I'm saying here today, that this is going to change something in your life, don't do it. But I believe this. Just as the Israelites made a pledge to God, as for me and my house, we will serve you, Lord. I'll give you my heart. I'll dedicate it to you. I'll ensure that the only thing that's going to get in this heart is pure stuff. I'm not going to be going home watching these horrible movies that fill my mind and head and heart with nudity and blood and gore. If you're one of those that likes that stuff, I'm sorry. Wow, come on. What does it mean to live for God? It means that you have separated yourself for the things of the Lord. He has a plan for every person in this room. And you want to know what's holding that plan up? We are. Because we refuse to do it His way. We want to do some things for God. Not all of them, but some things. The cool things. We want to do those. But we hesitate 
to give an all-in kind of response to Him. And that's what this is. If you're the head of your house, whether man or woman, make this your pledge for your family. Is it going to be easy? No! In fact, you are going to meet so many obstacles, but it's going to be worth it because you're going to see changes in your kids, in your marriage, in everything that you do because the Holy Spirit's going to be hovering over you, taking care of you, protecting you. You've got nothing to fear if you're serving the Lord. How many can say amen? Amen. All right, here's the response part. See, I already signed mine because I knew I was going to do this long before you ever got here. I've got two baskets up here, one on either side. And I want to pray, and I want you to pray this with me. And then, if, if you're convinced, yes, I want to do this. I want God to know I'm His. From this day forward, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. I'm going to ask you to come and, and drop this signed into these baskets. Nobody's going to see this. This is between you and the Lord. The baskets are just a touch point. You got it? Okay? Let's pray. Father, we humble ourselves today and we confess there's only one truth and that comes from you. And today, I put my faith and trust in God's kingdom, in Jesus Christ, in the blood that he sacrificed for me, for my family, for this nation, and for all the people of this world. Today, I confess my sin. And that's plural. I confess my sins. And all the things that have been not right with you. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive this nation. And help us to live for you. To serve you. To serve your people. All the days we have left. With this little piece of paper. I dedicate and commit. I make my pledge to you. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Come and, and, and drop these in the basket if you would. Do that right now. What if, if you're inclined to do so if not that's fine you just go out there in the holy spirit nah never mind i won't go there lord prepare me lord prepare me to be a sanctuary pure and holy tried and true with thanksgiving
to him, Lord, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, here and holy, here and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary. Lift your hands and sing it to him this morning. Lord, prepare me. Oh, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. You're and holy, tried and true. escaped. They took that as their cue. So Father, thank you again for everything you're doing with the hope. Now help us, Lord, just as Joshua and the Israelites did. Help us to live for you. Help us to be obedient to this pledge we've made to you. Now keep us safe. Watch over us this week, Lord. And I pray that prosperity would be ours. Lord, those in this place that need raises, new jobs, Lord, that you would, you would find those. You'd work it out so they'd walk right into it. They wouldn't have to be a laboral process, but Lord, it'll just happen because you love them. Lord, watch over those whose, their children, maybe, maybe there's a child, I'm, I'm seeing somebody's baby that's having issues, and Lord, we just pray a healing on that little guy in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for that. I'm not sure if the baby's born yet or not, but... I just see that the Lord's doing something there. How many in this room, you need a healing? Hallelujah. Just raise your hand. Hi. Father, again, you just see every hand that's being waved at you, every paw that's up. Lord, just bless them and bring these healings that these folks need. And Lord, to you be the glory and the praise and the honor. Now, we dedicate and commit this people to you. Help us to find somebody this week to share the good news with. Again, we pray all of this in your holy name, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you.